much. It's uh, really good to be here at MacArthur Park. I am uh, always enjoy it when I come. And uh, thank you so much to Doug and others who have put the work in to, to plan this Insight Seminar. Uh, it's gone very, very smoothly so far, and <clears throat> I'm looking forward to today. I think I kind of said this last night, but I'll just say it again. <coughs> I think it speaks really well of this congregation that you're willing to put this kind of energy into these deep theological... I, I talk for a living, but uh, sorry about that. That kind of slowed us up. Somebody brought me a bottle of water. That's right. <coughs> Thank you. All right. Well, as I was saying, I'm, I'm really impressed with this series of topics that you picked for uh, the Insight Seminar, and I'm happy to talk on each one. They're all big topics, and we made some jokes about that last night, but they're really important. And uh, <clears throat> what I really like is that you're going to have a, a year-long series that's going to help you really root these ideas into the text, and, and I just think that's impressive. A lot of churches, <clears throat> let's be honest, preach a lot of pablum, and they don't get deeply into the Word. And so, kudos <laughs> for making sure that the congregation gets uh, solid meat. <clears throat> I think that's wonderful. Good grief, cedars are from the devil. <laughs> what is that? <coughs> wow. Oh, my goodness, that's terrible. Uh, if you plant a seed, just don't make it a cedar seed, but some other kind of seed, <laughs> why are you doing that? If you go out into your garden and plant a seed, what's your purpose for doing that? Pardon? You want the plant to grow. You want that seed to do what it was made to do, to grow, to develop, to to become large and to bear fruit, right? There is, a, there is a purpose for that seed. That's what it's for. We're going to talk about the fall this morning. And uh, there are a lot of different ways to understand how sin operates in our lives and what the fall means. But the image I'd like you to have is that the fall is about human beings failing to grow failing to develop the way that God wants us to develop. What we laid out last night or yesterday afternoon is that God <clears throat> maybe has made the entire universe. He doesn't need us, but I think he wants lots of copies of the son that he loves. He loves Jesus, and he says, I want human beings to be able to be like Jesus. And so your purpose, you're like a little seed that God has planted. Every human being is. The, the whole purpose of your life is to grow up into the likeness of Jesus Christ. And God's providing the rain and God's providing the sunshine and all of the other things to help you do that. The fall, what we're going to talk about, the issue of sin, is what keeps us sometimes from succeeding at being what God wants us to be. All right. Let's talk about some of these issues. I think you have notes that, that carry along most of uh, the scriptures or at least the uh, topics that I'm going to talk about. The fall means falling into loving the creation more than loving the creator. Loving the creation more than loving the creator. 
Romans <clears throat> chapter 1, really starting in verse 18 and running through the end of the chapter, deals with this issue of the fall and the fallen state of the world. And in verse uh, 21 and 22, we read this, For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God nor gave thanks to Him, but their think thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. And in verse 25 it says, They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator who is forever praised. Amen. In other words, part of what went wrong with uh, the development of the human race. Paul's not talking, incidentally, in Romans about individuals. He's talking about how the whole human race has gone wrong. Whole swaths of culture have failed to thrive, have failed to fulfill God's plan for them. And he says it starts with ignoring God. In fact, refusing to give thanks to God. And instead, preferring God's we make up that looks more like the creation. And once I start trying to put my trust and focus my life onto the creation, without using it as a way to find out about God, then I fail to thrive. I fail to develop. I, I become uh, delayed or even uh, stultified in my growth. Uh if I focus on creation, whatever aspect of creation I focus on, I'm not going to be satisfied. In your own life, you know people who have focused on possessions. Now, the theology I understand is that God made the world full of good things on purpose for us to enjoy. God likes it when you enjoy His world. He likes His world. He knows how great it is. And He's happy for you to do that. But what happens when ignoring God, you just try to get your life's satisfaction and your life's meaning out of stuff. You're not going to be satisfied. There are people, and you know them, who focus on sex as a way to get their life's meaning. And again, the theology that we laid out last night about God is God likes sex. He doesn't hate sex. I know that Christianity for a while got kind of really hinky about what we were going to say about sex and everything. But, but the devil didn't invent sex. God did. And he likes it. He meant that for enjoyment and for bonding and all of the other things that it does for us. But if you try to make your life have meaning by way of sex, you're not going to be satisfied. There is nothing in God's creation that can satisfy you because what you're hungry for is the Creator. And look what a dangerous situation that creates for you. If I say, what I really want to focus on is art. I want to focus on beauty. What I really want to focus on is power. What I really want to focus on is glory. I want people to magnify me. Whatever. If you focus on any aspect of creation without using it as a ladder to climb up to God, you will be dissatisfied. And that creates an addiction to sin. Every sin 
becomes addictive because you can never get enough to satisfy you. And we, we constantly run through this illusion, well, okay, I'm not satisfied yet, but if I got a little more money, if I got a little more power, if, you know, if I got a little more sex, if I just had a little more drugs, I, then I bet I'd be there. And you can't get there using those means. All of those things are designed to be enjoyed and they're designed so that you will give thanks to the one who made them. That's what they're for. So that they, they are a pointer to God. If you use them without God persistently and try to get your life's meaning out of them, they will become an addiction for you. And that's really what the fall is all about. That's really what being trapped in sin individually is all about. I become an addict. What do addicts always say? You said it. That's good. I can quit anytime I want, right? That's what they always say. And the deal is, if you give yourself and give yourself and give yourself over to sin, eventually you get to the place where you know you cannot quit. Paul uses the term slavery a lot in relation to sin. And we're going to talk about that in just a minute. We really do become addicted to the sins that commit us. Instead, uh, I, uh, instead, <clears throat> I'm supposed to use what God created to help me understand who God is. Have you ever tried to show a baby a picture? You know, maybe you have a picture that's significant in the family. This is your grandmother, and you you you. Point with the finger at the picture. What does the baby do half the time? Well, okay, the picture, if, if the baby gets it, he will eat it. That's obviously true. But if you don't let the baby eat the picture and you point with your finger, you're trying to use your finger to point at the picture, but half the time the baby finds your finger way more fascinating, right? Just, wow, that's amazing. When, uh, when our oldest son was uh, nine months old, Brand new parents. We didn't really know what was going on. We took him to uh, a fireworks display uh, in Memphis. And it was actually had been built up for about three months. Uh, it was, at the time, the most expensive fireworks display that had ever been done in the South. So they claimed. And they had these, you know, tin barges loaded with explosives out on the Mississippi River. And they were blowing up stuff all around the bridge. It was, it was really cool. And we thought, okay, well, we'll take our son down there, and he'll look at that, and it'll be great. You know, he was focused on the car, the lights, the brake lights of the cars going by. That's all he could say. He was just distracted by that. This world is full of good things. It's full of good things which are designed to help you know God. And our failure to thrive, our fall, often happens when we focus on those good things, and don't realize they're pointers to God. And that's, that's kind of the character uh, of sin. Okay. I'm going to have to put this bottle down. I can't do three things. I need three hands to try and do three things. Second 
characteristic of the fall is that it is falling away from our creation purpose. We talked about this yesterday, those of you who are in the Insight Seminar. Uh, what does Jesus pray in the Lord's Prayer? Our Father who's in heaven, may your name be holy or hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Our purpose as human beings is to accomplish God's will on earth as it is accomplished in heaven. You are made in the image of God. And if I've understood the image of God correctly, that means that the way He rules in the entire universe, you as a human being, your birthright is to rule in this universe. That's what you're for. You are to be His vice regent on earth to help God's will to come about. That's your creation purpose. Part of how you do that is to become the image of Christ. Love God as Christ loves God. Love your neighbor as yourself the way that Christ loves humanity. That's how we do that. That's why those are the two great commands. Because that's how we fulfill God's will on earth as it is in heaven. Well, that's our creation purpose. That's what we're designed for. We're going to be frustrated if we don't grow up into our uh, destiny. But again and again and again, we misunderstand what we are, what we're made for, and, and what our relationship is uh, to God. When I was a kid, I uh, begged and begged and begged. I saw an advertisement in uh, a magazine, and I begged and begged and begged for a remote-controlled car. Now, this was in the 60s. And this was, a, this was a big car. It was actually about this big. And in the commercials, it was so cool. Uh, the, the remote control unit actually had a steering wheel and a gear shift. And then the car would do various things and stuff like that. Uh, when I got it, I will have to admit, I mean, it was, it was a great present. It was an expensive present uh, for my parents. Uh, when I got it, I was disappointed. Because it was not a wireless remote control car. It had a tether to a wire. And I, that was just not cool with me. Uh, I wanted a real remote control car. I wanted a car that was untethered, that, that didn't have to have a wire giving it power and giving it instructions. That's what I had imagined. In the commercials, you didn't see the wires. And so that's what I thought I was buying and begging for. And so... Uh, when I got that, I was disappointed. When we live in this world and we misunderstand who God is, we constantly think that somehow we can have the goods of this world without an attachment to God. Satan tells Eve, um, if you will take this fruit, you can be like God. You can be independent of God. You can stand on your own two feet. And that is probably the fundamental myth of who we are and, and how we fall away from God's creation purpose. We are meant to thrive in God's love. We are meant to grow and become our true destiny by expressing God's will in the world. This does not make you less... This makes you 
who you truly are. This is, this is growing up, is to learn to be a conduit of God's will and of God's blessings into the world. Do you guys have in your um, songbook uh, the song about the two seas? There is a sea uh, which, you know, receives the, I, I can't quote the poetry, but basically it's talking about the Dead Sea, right? And it gets lots and lots of water, but it's just dead. Because why? What's the lesson of that? Because it never gives out the water. It just kind of collects all the water and it's dead. And there's another sea. The Galilee Sea is what it's talking about. And it gives what it receives. It even gives more than what it receives. And, you know, and so, you know, it's, this is actually a, a coded song about having generous contributions, I suppose. And uh, it's true. If you've ever been to the Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea, they are like that. Guess which has more water than both of them? Jordan River. I mean, they use the Jordan River to irrigate. They take water from it, from both sides. It is what's really full. You, I mean, what you are made for, what you are designed for as God's person is to be a river. You are, you are God's image on earth. God is supposed to, His will is supposed to flow through you. His blessings are designed to flow through you and out into the world. And you will be happiest. You will be functioning at your best. You will grow up into your true maturity, your true dignity, and your true worth when you become a conduit of God's blessings. This will not make you less of a person. This will make you the person you were always meant to be. It will not require you to think less. It will require you to be incredibly intelligent. It will not require you to act less. This is the way in which you will act with the greatest agency, is by being a conduit of God's will. Unfortunately, the fall causes us to fall away from our creation purposes. Uh, Again and again and again, we misunderstand the nature of sin. I wish that I had sin's PR agent. You know, whatever company is managing the PR for sin, they are brilliant. You know, they are Don Draper brilliant. They, I mean, because uh, um, if you look at the way sin is portrayed in our media, sin seems kind of noble. It seems kind of exciting. It even seems occasionally kind of courageous. Yeah, I know what the rules say, but I'm a rebel. I, you know, and, and it, it just kind of say, and, and all sin is, is just retardation. It's just failure to grow. It is failure to thrive. You should grow in this way. This is what you were designed for. And instead, you are shrinking down. You are orbiting down around the little core of yourself. Sin is just failure. That's all it is. That's what the Greek word actually for sin, that's kind of what it means. It's taken from the image of an archer trying really hard to hit the target and missing. That's all sin is. God has 
set a goal for your life and you will only be happy if by his help you achieve that goal. Sin is falling away from our creation purposes. Um, Sin is also falling into slavery. This is a more difficult concept. So I'm not going to... Let me just lay this out very, very briefly. Sin is not just individual. It is social. When Paul describes sin here in Romans, he's describing a situation in which Generations after generations after generations feed each other sin. And feed their children sin. And those children grow up in that sinful culture and they pass that sin on. This is not the old doctrine of original sin where I literally inherit it with my DNA. But it is similar in that I grow up and I kind of learn sin with my ABCs. I learn it from my parents. And I get caught in it. Paul is, in Romans, he's trying to explain to us why there is no amount of effort that can save us. We can't, from our end, fix the problem of sin because it's been accumulating all through human history as human beings deviate. It is slavery. Our situation is absolutely hopeless. We just have all of this piles of lies and compromises and sin laying on top of us. And even if we struggle against it, it's going to weigh us down unless God comes to the rescue. Sin is slavery. That's all we can do right now. The talk that we're going to do in the worship service deals with what's God's solution. Thank you very much. I thought you told me I had to quit it a quarter to. I can quit. I, a quarter after? You're ki- I was hurrying. Oh, you're doing good. That's good. Well, let me talk about that just a little bit more. Uh, this idea of, uh, of, of, of becoming enslaved by sin. Um. You know, I know it's typical for preachers to show how educated they are. I do that a lot uh, by, you know, quoting high literature and stuff like that. But to be honest, sometimes Pulp Fiction gives us our best illustrations. Because I think that the people who write the B-movie scripts uh, know a little bit more about actual life. And I'm thinking about the classic horror movies right now. Um, The Wolfman. What's the script of The Wolfman? Actually, now the Wolfman, the Wolfmen and women are heroes. But in the old days, what's the script of The Wolfman? He gets bitten by a wolf. Okay, that happens early. That happens like in the first ten minutes. Then what? 
to his horror, he realizes slowly that he not just was attacked by a monster, but he himself is turning into a monster. And that's the drama usually of the story is, what are you going to do when you realize you're not running from a monster, you are the monster? And there are a lot of stories that are kind of like that, that tell that kind of story. What's it like to turn into a monster? And the reason why I think we like that story is because we kind of know what that is. When I say sin is slavery, that's what I think that we're talking about. Sin comes and takes us over. Sin comes and conquers us. Uh, it, it captures us piece by piece. I, when I am captivated by sin, give away a little bit of myself. A bit at a time. And gradually, there is less and less of me uh, that exists. If I, and, and this can happen with any sin, I will find myself organizing my life more and more around my sins. Picking the friends that I'm comfortable with in order to protect my sins. Choosing, you know, how I live, what job I can have in order to better facilitate my particular set of compromises, my particular set of sins. Gradually, if, if you let sin have its way, Sin will gradually uh, take over all parts of your personality. And you will stop being you. You will become just an instrument of that sin. You will become the monster. Now when Paul writes about this here in Romans... He says, when individual after individual after individual does this, generation after generation after generation, the whole world that we live in gets turned upside down. Just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind so that they would do what ought not to be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness evil, greed, depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but they also approve of those who practice them. He says... Society itself starts getting everything turned upside down. Eventually, not just each individual, but society itself becomes monstrous. And it doesn't take us very long to realize uh, how that manifests in our current society. Now, things that are horrible, things that are life-destroying, 
our society approves. And in fact, our society tells us that to even tell someone the life that you're in, the way that you're behaving is damaging you, even to say that to someone has been classified as evil by our society, has been classified as hateful in our society. They not only approve these things, uh, they not only do these things, but they approve them. That's what happens when society gets turned upside down. Uh, Falling into slavery, we become captured by this entire system of sin. Sometimes people will say, just use your willpower. Exert your will. You can overcome sin if you just try hard enough. If, if Paul's right about this, and right about what he says in Romans chapter 1, what's the problem with exerting your willpower to overcome your addiction to sin, your slavery to sin? Pardon? Well, you don't have much willpower, but what this says is, The willpower that you have has been corrupted. Your will has been twisted by layers and layers of sin. Sometimes people will say to us, think about the consequences. Don't live like, think about the consequences. What's the problem? If Paul is right, what's the problem with just think about the consequences? Your thinking has been corrupted, right? People say, well, you know, maybe the love of your family could help you out of this sin. What's the problem with relying on even human relations to save me from the problem of sin? Even my loves, which are some of the best things in my life, even my love, I mean, this is painful to say, but even my loves get captured by slavery to sin. There is nothing within the circle of humanity that escapes from the slavery to sin that Paul's describing in Romans. All the tools that we have have been shaped in us by society, and society itself has been corrupted and compromised by sin. We are well and truly enslaved we are well and truly captured by the evil that, that we have invited in and that our ancestors have invited in. The story, t- this is actually from a long time ago, a story of a 29-year-old who was brought into uh, the emergency room in St. Paul, Minnesota, West St. Paul, Minnesota, with severe burns. Uh, he had been, he was in a small apartment. He had been cleaning some engine parts in his bathtub using gasoline. Probably not a good idea. But he didn't like the smell. And so what do you do when you have a bad smell in your bathroom? He lit a scented candle. That's one idea that's bad. 
layered on top of another idea that's bad, making a super bad idea. And I think what Paul's describing, and he does it really, really well, he says we start by refusing to acknowledge God. We start by refusing to give gratitude to God. And then we start seeking our satisfaction within creation. Start looking for, you know, maybe if I worship lizards, or maybe if I worship birds, or maybe if I worship human beings, something within creation could give me satisfaction. That's another bad idea. And then we start playing around with sexuality and playing around with honesty and playing around with, with our relationships and all these other things. Everything starts turning upside down, one bad idea stacked on top of another bad idea, stacked on top of another bad idea, generation after generation after generation after generation, we get fed this, we feed it to our own children, they feed it to their children, that is the system of slavery, you and I need rescue. And thank God, God who is perfectly within his rights to leave us in this situation because we made it ourselves. He gains nothing out of saving us. He doesn't make himself one bit greater by saving us. But out of his love, he has designed a rescue for us. And that's what we're going to talk about in the next session. All right, I'm going to wrap it up there. Thank you. Break. Attention. Um, we have enjoyed Dr. Baird very much, and he will uh, be speaking during the sermon.